When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Brian Cat NFL on Twitter. And Paul is fanatic underscore pick. That's fanatic with a PH. And Paul, uh, before we get started, I understand you have something from the Dolphins here. The Dolphins asked us to put out there, on Sunday from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m., the Dolphins special teams will pack backpacks with food for students that are on free and reduced lunch. Sponsored by Cisco, Feeding South Florida will distribute the backpacks after they've been packed. To participate, go to https forward slash forward slash dolphins dot roster dot com slash login and use the hashtag Dolphins Huddle for 100. We'll go ahead and we'll include that link down in our, our show notes for anybody listening out there. All for a great cause. And uh, Paul, taking a look at this game here, the Dolphins are six-point underdogs. So I think if we had looked at this line a couple weeks ago, we would have thought they'd be underdogs by a lot more. I think when the Dolphins went up to Buffalo, the Bills were favored by about 17 points. And I would argue that in the first contest against the Buffalo Bills, when the Bills won 31-21, to at the end of the third quarter, we were thinking we were going to see our first Dolphins win of the year. I really thought so, too. I mean, this, the game was so much closer than that final score. I mean, you look at the onside kick getting returned for a touchdown in the closing minutes. Uh, the interesting thing for me here with that game is, is the two big, big players in that game were Preston Williams and Mark Walton, both of whom will not be in this game this coming week. Preston because he's on IR, Mark because he's still serving his suspension. So really look for Devontae Parker and to step up in this one. He had a good game last time. We need an even better one this time. And Mike Kosicki needs, needs to continue the ascension he kind of began in that game. Yeah, and I'm a little concerned about that on the offensive side of the ball because, like you said, they don't have Mark Walton with the four-game suspension. And, you know, that's not a huge loss ordinarily, but Kalen Balazs has been so bad that it becomes a big loss. And then because Preston Williams is out for the year – now you've got, instead of having those those point, power forwards on the outside with Parker and Williams, now you've got Tredavious White that's going to cover Devontae Parker. And you've got Tremaine Edmonds, who's going to be focusing on, on Mike Isicki there in the slot. So from a matchup standpoint, this is a game where Jakeem Grant really needs to come to play and have a breakout game. And Grant Grant only has about 130 yards on the year, so it's about time this year he starts earning that contract. Not only Grant, but you look at Albert Wilson. I mean, when he's gotten his opportunities this year, I know he's been battling a few things. He He's done a, a few little mini special things. We need him to expand his role, as well as the fact that Alan Hearns has been seeing an expanded role. I'm not a big Hearns fan, but he had a couple critical catches against Buffalo last time. So, I mean, really, we need to see all of them get involved in the passing game to to spread that defense out a little bit. And we need to see a little more of Patrick Laird in this one. 
Yeah, Laird had a couple of catches, and Miles Gaskin got on the field a little bit too. And I'd argue as well that if that football isn't tipped last week in the Colts-Dolphins game in the first quarter, I think Miles Gaskin has his first touchdown of his NFL career. If the season ended today, and this is a stat uh, via NFL stat guy on Twitter, if the season ended today, Kalen Bellage would have the lowest yard per carry at 2.05 of anybody in NFL history with over 50, I believe it was over 50 carries. It's been 42 years since that happened. Lewis Carter uh, for the 1977 Bucks, 59 carries, 117 yards, 1.98 yards a carry. Caleb Balaj has 2.05. But here's the other part of that, too. As bad as Balaj has been and as, as bad as I kind of think he is, the Bills' run defense, not all that great. You take a look at the last two weeks here, Paul, and you have Nick Chubb, 20 carries for 116 yards last week. Adrian Peterson, 18 for 108 the, the week before. And Jordan Howard, uh, 23 carries for 96 yards the week before that. So it's as good as time of any right now for Cam Balaj at least to get a little bit of steam. It is. I mean, it, and like we talked about in our game review last week, Cam Balaj has shown uh, potential. And I think he keeps teasing us with potential. But it's time to put up or shut up. And if not, I think he needs to go to a backup role and really develop because, yeah, they're getting a lot of guys game action to get them ready uh, going into next year. But in all honesty, I'm I'm getting tired of watching Kalen Bellage run into the nearest jersey and fall down. That's, uh, yeah, you know, it, I, I, it's I would just, rather – I'm over it. I'd rather see Kalen Bellage be the third running back on this team right now. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, yeah. Bellage has seven games left in a Dolphins uniform. And I'm not trying to be dramatic. I, I, I don't see what you do with him. At Arizona State, he didn't develop. He wasn't a starter. He had one big game with eight touchdowns, and the rest of the time he was, an, he was a good, not great backup. And then he comes to Miami, and other than a big run last year, he averages 3.3 yards a carry. And then this year he's setting records at this point for his ineptitude. So this is a big game. If he wants to make a believer out of me, it's got to happen this week because I'm, I'm losing a lot of patience. On the offensive I will tell line, you, before we jump away from Kalen Balaj real quick, I don't want to see him line up in the damn Wildcat. I don't care if he ran it in college. I'd rather see Albert Wilson, who's actually a Swiss Army Knife, running the Wildcat formation because at least there's a threat of Albert Wilson doing anything at this point than there is of Kalen Balaj. Kalen Balaj takes a Wildcat snap and it's like, ooh, here comes a play right into the back of Evan Baim or Daniel Kilgore's butt and then onto the ground for a one-yard loss. That is what the Wildcat is with Kalen Balazs running the show. Here's my prediction for this week. Kalen Balazs is going to take a snap in the Wildcat, and he's going to throw it, and he's going to miss. That, that's my prediction for this week. Not a great He'll probably prediction. hit a Bills player just like he does when he runs. Yep, exactly right. Exactly right. Um, offensive line, you know, the Dolphins are coming off several pretty decent performances from several of their players. I mean, I thought Dan Kilgore looked really good coming back to the lineup, and by him returning at center, Evan Bame lined up at right guard and improved that spot. And then Jesse Davis, as long as Davis is not facing an edge rusher, he tends to do okay at right tackle, even though we'd probably like to see him at guard full-time but the left side of that line still rough with Jamarcus Webb and with Michael Dieter 
you know, uh, you watch last week and and still not getting the job done against the Colts. 41 attempts against the pass, according to Pro Football Focus, and the numbers were outrageous. Somewhere like eight hits, seven hurries, a sack, a penalty, dog and a cat, you, you name it on there. So Michael Dieter, I thought, played a little bit better this past week, but, man, he's got to add some strength and he's got to get better week by week or else, you know, that might be another position the Dolphins look to replace in the offseason. So, yeah, they've they, they've got to get Kalen Balazs running downfield or, or one of these running backs running downfield because, as we know, this is not a Dolphins team that plays well from behind. It, you're, you're absolutely right. And it was interesting last time because Miami did allow plenty of pressures against the Bills in the last game, a lot of which came up the middle from Jordan Phillips, from Ed Oliver. And but they only allowed one sack. I mean, granted, you saw Fitzpatrick pull some Houdini moves to get out of a couple, but in reality, they only allowed one sack against this Bills team in the last game. And and I think a big product of that is the fact that they jumped out to a lead early and managed to establish the run. So that's ridiculously important here as as this game kicks off. They need to establish the run because I hate to say it, the Bills have a great record right now, but they're a little bit of a pretender in my eyes. I agree with you there. I'm, you know, I've I've looked at the last few weeks. They get, they play the Dolphins, and it's like we talked about. It's a game I thought could have gone either way. In a game I thought Miami had in hand, or at least had the upper hand for three quarters. Then they get spanked by Philadelphia, thirty-one to thirteen. They beat a completely inept Washington team, twenty-four to seven. And then last week they lose to the Bill to the uh, excuse me they lose to the Browns nineteen to sixteen so it, it explains why the Dolphins are not a full touchdown uh, favorite or excuse me underdog in this game when I think a couple weeks ago we could have expected this line to be a little bit worse but right now it's the Bills at six so on also too with the defensive line you mentioned Jordan Phillips Jordan Phillips leads the Bills with six sacks this year. Second is Jerry Hughes with two and a half. So, you know, but Jordan Phillips on the other side of that, from the tape I've watched on the Buffalo Bills, it seems like not a lot has changed from him when he was with the Dolphins. I mean, we could expect Jordan Phillips to destroy the guy ahead of him two or three plays a game. And then you see 10 other plays where the guy completely gets out of his rush lane. And I think that's where a lot of the runs up the gut have to happen to Jordan Phillips when he's taking himself out of those plays. They do. I mean, hopefully the Dolphins aren't scared off from that based on the way Phillips blew through the line and forced a fumble in the last one. Um, because in all honesty, you, you, you tell your running back to protect the ball, you run right at Phillips and hope it's not one of the three plays he's busting through and making a big one. And then if he does, you just run right at him again because he's probably not making the next play. So, yeah, you really do have to run right at him, which sounds utterly ridiculous, but I'm with you. Yeah, and Ed Oliver, a, a very promising rookie next to him, especially cutting into that backfield. So you can expect the Dolphins to lose some plays there uh, on against the run, but hopefully they can bust a few out as well. And, Paul, before we get to the defensive side of the ball, I understand you have another message from the Dolphins there. Yeah, the Dolphins are going to have a big 50-50 jackpot this weekend. One Dolphins fan will, walk, will win big by walking away with half of the 50-50 jackpot, while the other half is going to go to support military partners in the Miami Dolphins Foundation. 
Fans can enter at a home game by purchasing tickets from one of their 50-50 representatives, visiting any of the kiosks located throughout the stadium, or by visiting dolphins5050.com. And, and again, use the, use the hashtag DolphinsHuddle for 100 out there on Twitter. I mean, it's, it's, these 50-50s get absolutely huge at these home games. I, if you're going to the game, why wouldn't you? I certainly would if I went to the game again. I can tell you that. <laughs> let's, uh, let's look at the defensive side of the ball here, Paul. And this is a side that's really getting interesting because, you know, we, we saw at the beginning of the year the Dolphins allowed 49 and 43 points in back-to-back weeks. But recently it just keeps getting better and better. Maybe it's the competition a little bit. But, you know, the first six weeks of the year, opposing quarterbacks against the Dolphins had a quarterback rating of over 120. And over the last couple of weeks here, it's it's been substantially less. I'm, I'm trying to find the exact numbers now. Darn it, I thought I had it in front of me. But it's it's somewhere around, I think, 70, 78.3, somewhere around there. But the, the Dolphins over the last three weeks have had five interceptions where in the first uh, six games of the year, they had – one interception and that was from Bobby McCain. So more and more players stepping up on the defensive side of the ball and in run defense too. The last two weeks they've gone up against Le'Veon Bell and Marlon Mack, two still very good running backs and held them under four yards a carry. So the big thing here for the Dolphins defense to me is, is controlling Josh Allen and his running ability because we saw last year this is a guy that can absolutely take over games with his legs and then that frees up the passing game too last year against the Dolphins 135 yards on the ground in one game 95 in another in the Dolphins Bills first matchup Josh Allen has only 32 yards on the ground so the Dolphins did a lot better controlling the ball uh, there on defense so what's your outlook here Paul, looking looking into this game for the Dolphins' defense, you definitely have to give Vince Beagle rushing the passer. I mean, it, it's he's one of the top pass rushers in the league right now, which I don't think anybody expected when he came over to the Dolphins. And I know he got a big sack in the previous Bills game. So I mean, really, you you've got to get that going. And, and in addition to that, you need to basically take Sam Aguavin and Jerome Baker on any given play, have one of them spy Josh Allen and the other drop into coverage. And, you know, mix in the occasional blitz by Baker and really as good as the no-name five in the back end of Miami secondary have been, those two have been very, very critical. And in particular, Jerome Baker, as far as that pass coverage goes, they're, they're making things happen for the ones behind them as well. So you, you've got to get those two into coverage and you've got to get one of them spying Josh Allen. And when you see him start to take off, blow him up before he gets out of steam. And before you get, we get too far away from that, a, a, a comment you made there, Paul, that I want to stick on is, is Vince Beagle. You mentioned him as one of the, one of the better, one of the best pass rushers in the league. And I think a lot of our listeners are going to look at his stat line and say, what are you talking about? The guy has two sacks on the air and mm-hmm. that, that, that may be worth bringing up. But one thing that's interesting about it too is, you know, we don't mention pro football focus a lot on this show, and we pick and choose a lot of when we do. But one thing I, I do agree with them on is as far as just pass rushing talent and projecting that to the future, it's not the sack number because a sack, you, you can, a player can get a sack every two games, and that's going to up his stack, his sacks for the year. But Vince Beagle. I, you talk of Charlton? 
yeah, Taco, Taco Charlton's a perfect example of that. If you just look at sacks, you think Taco Charlton is twice as good of a pass rusher as Vince Beagle. But the people that watch the games front to back know that Vince Beagle is getting in the backfield five, six, seven times a game. And just ha- and not only is he hasn't brought home the big sack numbers, but he's also disrupting a lot of other things on defense and allowing other players to make some big plays. He is. I mean, you look at the Colts game last week, and the Colts brought, uh, I believe it was, I believe it was Doyle across the formation to to basically run a little dump screen in the flat. Vince Beagle broke off his pass rush, shadowed Doyle, and then once once uh, Brian Hoyer took his eyes off Doyle, Beagle broke after Hoyer and and chased chased things down over on the other sideline. I mean, holy hell, that that. Yeah. That's such an amazing play right there. And if you haven't seen it, I forget who tweeted it out. Uh, I'll share it again on my Twitter account uh, after after the show goes up, and uh, so you, so you can take a look. But it it was an amazing, amazing play. Yeah, I think that was Houts H O U T Z. He's a good follow on Twitter too for Dolphins fans. But yeah, that was a you know I was at the Colts game, and I've got to admit I didn't even notice that play when it happened. Because you don't ever see anything like that. Your your eye is on the ball a lot. But when I saw the the all twenty two, when I look back, yeah, you you nailed it exactly. I mean, he, he shuts down the the tight end in the flat, runs all the way across the field, and, and stops a guy. You know, stops Marlon Mack half a yard before the first down. Those are the types of plays that you're seeing, and you're seeing these plays more frequently out of this defense in general. I mean, I, I look at the last couple of games here. And in the secondary, I'm flat out seeing receivers not getting open. You know, you look at yeah. the Steelers game a couple of games ago, and, and you may look at the stat sheet and say, you know, Mason Rudolph threw for 250 yards, most of which were in the second half and were big. Yeah, that's true. But Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, a, a lot of these, these catches were very, very contested too. And that's what you want to see in a man-to-man defense here. Nick Needham's been playing on, out of his mind. Uh, Stevie Parker at, at the safety spot has been playing very well, too. Uh, Dolphins should get Rashad Jones back for this game, I believe. And uh, Bobby McCain there has been has been making fewer mistakes at that free safety position. So it'll be interesting with this breakdown against the Buffalo Bills because there really are three guys that have emerged for Buffalo as pass-catching options. And uh, one of them is John Brown who has 684 yards on the year and is on pace for a big year. Cole Beasley is their little slot guy, 39 catches for 411 yards. And Dawson Knox, the rookie tight end, is 256 yards. But other than that, they, they, they're really not spreading the ball out to their wide receivers and tight ends as much as I thought they would before the season began. Yeah, no, I'm 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 with you on that. I mean, the one thing that you just mentioned that I'm really excited about is Rashad Jones' return. I mean, I want to see what he's got left in the tank. I know he's been battling an injury all year, but really, I mean, as good as the secondary's been playing, I mean, if you tell me Jamal Wiltz is, is better than Rashad Jones at strong safety, I'm I'm gonna show you a bridge that you can buy. I mean, Rashad Jones is a Pro Bowl caliber player, even if he's on the descending end of his career. But yeah, the secondary has been absolutely lights out and phenomenal uh, and only getting better. And, and Nick Needham, God, <laughs> I never thought I'd say this after the preseason, 
but I absolutely really hope he continues to develop the way he has been because he was in utter amazement last week to watch against the Colts. He sure, he sure was. And when it comes to Rashad Jones, listen, I've said for years and years that I think he's probably the most overrated Dolphin I've ever seen. Still a good player. I, I don't think he's a Pro Bowl caliber player now or anymore. We'll see how he does when he comes back. But what's interesting with him is he can make big plays like nobody else in the secondary can from, uh, you know, coming down downhill and, and, and covering tight ends and, and being a mismatch problem. The other seven or eight guys in that secondary who, who are basically playing for their lives right now have been very assignment sound, very aware. And that's to me why there haven't been a lot of breakdowns in the secondary over the last few weeks, other than that third and 20 play against Pittsburgh. So that's one thing to watch out for in this game. If you see Rashad Jones coming downhill and whiffing on a tackle or having a ball thrown over his head, I'm going to start looking at Eric Rowe and saying, you know what? He's been playing pretty damn good at strong safety with Rashad Jones out. And I think Eric Rowe would have maintained his assignment on that play. He probably would have. But again, it, it, it's I want to see what we see with Eric Rowe, Bobby McCain, and Rashad Jones as, as your three safeties this weekend. I really do. I just think that the three of them are going to be just utterly unstoppable back there if Rashad Jones can stay sound with his assignments. It, that's going to be the linchpin there like you, that you indicated. Bobby McCain played every snap last week at free safety. Eric Rowe, I think, played every snap. If not, he played 65 out of 69. What I'd like to see them do in this game with Rashad Jones is use him more as a Swiss as a Swiss Army knife, where if, if you do that, then you, and you limit his snaps to maybe th- somewhere between 35 and 40, I, I think you can use him very creatively all over the field. And you're going to want somebody to shadow and get to Josh Allen, and maybe Rashad Jones is the guy that does that if he's up to the task. So, Paul, taking a look here at this game, Dolphins are 2-7. and seven. They've won the last two games. And when you look here at the, uh, the rest, of, rest of the NFL draft order, it, it gets interesting because right now if the season, if, if the season ended, the Dolphins would pick fourth. But if all the lines, um, if all the favorited teams won this week, you would have the Bengals losing to be 0-9, the Redskins uh, winning to be 2-8, you'd have the Giants winning to be two, or losing to be 2-8, you'd have the Dolphins losing to be 2-8, the Jets would win at Washington, no, no, excuse me, uh, the, the Jets would lose at Washington to be 2-8, and eight, and the Falcons would lose to be 2-8, and eight. so you'd have a handful of two and eight teams there and and the Dolphins would be picking third or fourth with the Jets. But if they win this game, they could be picking as high as really just only sixth heading in to the following week. So the draft order always matters at this point. And right now, as we're recording this, the Browns and the Steelers are, are playing. And if the Browns win that game, the Dolphins could find their draft pick at 15 heading into the following week instead of 22. So a lot of balls up in the air there, Paul. Anyway, what do you think of this game, and and what's your prediction? So I'm actually going to make two predictions based on what you just said. The first one's going to be for the game itself. I actually see Miami taking this one 
um, which I feel a little more confident in after the past two weeks, and I feel confident in after watching the way they played against the Bills last time. This is a whole new Dolphins team from the last time they played the Bills. They've got a little swagger now. They've really gotten buy-in on the system, and I think Miami pulls this one off 23-16. to 16. On top of that, I'm going to make a draft pick prediction based on what you just said because I was just thinking about it. And I'm going to piss some Dolphins fans off. But I think when all is said and done, Miami's going to hold at least the seventh and the 14th pick, I think it's going to be. Because I think Miami's going to win a couple down the stretch with some of the winnable games they have coming up. And it, I know that's going to upset a lot of people. But I think Pittsburgh doesn't do as well down the stretch either. So I think Miami, with their own pick, slides down. But with Pittsburgh's pick, slides up. Well, the Browns are favored by three in this game that will have already been played when, when the show goes up. So, yeah, it would be huge if they lost the game or had lost or however however you – in whatever tense you want to you wanna phrase that. But, yeah, I mean, when I look at the Dolphins right now, to me it's a win-win where they've won two games, so they're not going 0-16. I do think they're probably going to win a couple of more too. And if they win – let's say five games this year and pick seventh, because that's probably how many they'd have to win to pick seventh. Then, yeah, I think then you can say, Hey, the Dolphins finished the season, you know, what, five and four. And they did it because players like Nick Needham and John Jenkins and Vince Beagle stepped up the coaching staff and the general manager are working as one and getting the players that Brian Flores wants and wants to coach. So to me, it's a win-win in that scenario. And regardless, either way, the Dolphins are going to have a lot of draft picks. They're still going to be able to at least put themselves in range to get a, to, to get one of the two top quarterbacks, assuming Tua and Burrow are are there and, and their stock is still top five when draft day approaches. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I mean, it, it's honestly, I want Tua or Burrow, but at the same time, this coaching staff really has me drinking the Kool-Aid at this point. I think that no matter who they get, when they get them, they're going to get the players that they want the way that they want, um, obviously within reason. But I think they can coach up just about damn near anybody that's NFL caliber. So, yeah, this is going to be a really interesting offseason based on everything we've seen thus far and what what's left to play out before it happens. Yeah, so – I've got the Bills winning this game 13 to 10. I see the Dolphins being unable to overcome the matchup I talked about earlier in the show, where I think now with Preston Williams out, you're going to see Tredavious White rolled over to take care of Devontae Parker. And I don't think the Dolphins are going to have enough firepower at the rest of the wide receiver positions or at running back to be able to make up for the difference. And I also think Mike Kosicki, when they're when he's not playing an opponent that's pretty weak against covering the tight end, I, he hasn't shown that he can do it against a real quality opponent. Even though I think he's having a very nice year, so I'm going to go with the Bills 13 to 10. So, you know, I'm not going to say I'm drinking the Kool Aid yet, uh, but I could see myself thinking differently here in a couple of weeks. And when you take a look at their opponents after Buffalo, they play at Cleveland. Philadelphia at home, at the Jets, at the Giants, against the Bengals at home, and at New England, when New England might be resting its entire team in Week 17. So, yeah, I could see them going on a little bit of a run, and if that happens and they end up winning five-plus games, 
it will admit they played really well, and a lot of young players stepped up here throughout the end of the year. So that will do it for our breakdown of the Dolphins-Bills matchup as we approach Week 11 at Hard Rock Stadium. You can follow Paul and I on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Brian Cat NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick on Twitter. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fin Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big-